Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. Hello everyone, welcome to the Stem Cell at Lunch uh, Digested podcast. My name is uh, Miguel Bernabe Rubio and I'm a postdoc in Fiona Watts Group here at the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine. Today, I am joined by Dr. Alejo Rodriguez Fraticelli, who is a research fellow at the Boston Children's Hospital. Alejo recently got a PI position at the Institute for Research in Biomedicine in Barcelona. Hi, Alejo. Hi, everyone. Really lucky to be here. First of all, let me congratulate you on getting a PI position. That's such an amazing achievement. Yeah, I mean, it's, thank you so much. It's uh, really a dream. Yeah, so to, just to, to start off, uh, do you mind telling us about your academic background and how you became interested in stem cells? I did my PhD uh, in the Centro de Biología Molecular Severo Ochoa uh, in Madrid. And this is an institution that has a, quite a trajectory in developmental biology. So we had really good uh, researchers uh, using uh, fly mostly as a model. But it got me, you know, I got to learn a lot about developmental biology and got really interested in a lot of these fundamental questions about how um, cells uh, choose what they're going to become. And uh, I've also, what I was doing in my, while I was in my PhD, I did a lot of um, research with epithelial tissues and uh, really focused on uh, intestinal stem cells. And trying to understand intestinal differentiation from intestinal progenitors. And that sort of got me quite interested in just the whole topic of how, um, you know, cells choose their fates in different contexts. And I initially actually joined uh, my uh, postdoctoral lab, uh, you know, thinking about some of these epithelial stem cell questions. Uh, and mm, that sort of led smoothly into the transition into blood, but um, that was initially sort of my my um, main interest. Brilliant. So uh, could you tell us about the focus of your current work and how it correlates with your future plans for your new lab? Right. So I think the most important finding from my recent work is this: the fact that we can exploit the um, way that cells are different uh, without any sort of mutations, right? Any Any sample of cells. Uh, or, or uh, in any tissue that you look at, it's going to be slightly different. Right? Cells are not exactly all of them uh, in the same uh, way. They have some variation. And so what happens is normally you, when you study cells, um, you're not really taking advantage or trying to uh, study that variation sort of any further. Uh, you can describe it. But you don't know how that is sort of functionally relevant, how it's going to have some, some, some importance for what those cells are going to do. And so one thing that was very surprising for us is that if you have a way to label each of the cells in the sample, and then uh, you let them create, if some of the cells are uh, dividing, you let them create these cellular families, uh, you can, you know, sample, you can take a sample of these cells of e you know, sort of randomly. And in fact, the, this variation of that initial sample is actually maintained uh, or propagated to the daughters of these cells as they divide. And it is so remarkably conserved that you can then study these uh, different 
siblings in different contexts. And you can try to understand how that initial variation actually contributes to the outcomes that you observe uh, from the cells. And so really the applicability of this is quite remarkable. I mean, any system that has cells that are proliferating where this variation of cellular states or, or, or profiles is going to be conserved, is, is going to be observed in the same way as, as we did in, uh, in the blood system, which doesn't necessarily need to be the case. But wherever you can see this, then you can apply this type of tools. I always call it a sort of a epigenetic screening because you're really screening for or trying to interpret the consequences of each of these unique uh, states that uh, cells may be in. So, yeah, I think that the, the, the lab is going to continue focusing on that, trying to see which other systems this can be expanded to. Uh, I'm going to be making a move back uh, in some part of it to epithelial stem cells and epithelial systems. Uh, organoids, I think, are a system where this is highly tractable, so we can grow these uh, small guts or you know small versions of, of guts and pancreas and other digestive organs in the dish, and we can try to use the same sort of tools to address that. Also very interesting to see is whether this is uh, the case also for cancer cells. And so I'm going to be using uh, be using a, a acute myeloid leukemia as a, as a model for cancer. Uh, it's, you know, has the advantage. It's actually derived from the same cells where we actually discovered this highly conserved memory of uh, the cellular state. And then uh, we're going to study AML with this. Great. So it seems that you've considered doing more translational research. Yes. Great. So uh, you've uh, contributed with uh, different findings and tools, not only to the hematopoietic stem cells field, but also to single cell technologies. So this uh, requires working at the bench and also computer work. Do you mind telling us what is it that you enjoy the most of your work? Uh, it's a great question. I, you know, it's been a sort of pure biologist. It was pretty hard to actually find the skill set for dealing with these really complicated data sets. And I had no previous computational training. So what I did is I found a great collaborator in the Klein lab, and uh, uh, in particular, this uh, PhD student in the lab, Caleb. He had a computational background. He had interest in um, learning more about experimental biology. And I had interest in learning more about the computational side of things. So we sort of got together and as I was teaching him or maybe you know, advising him and supervising him on some of these experimental things so he could learn and get better hands on things, I was sort of learning more and more about computational uh, biology. And it really worked beautifully because um, we developed these sort of methodologies together. And as he, as he got better training in, in the experimental side, I got to learn all about processing, sequencing information and running screen, creating scripts and, and these sort of things and how to analyze these sort of uh, data sets. Um, I think that finding collaborations uh, was the most fun of part of this project. And finding a good collaboration always requires uh, some connection beyond just the professional level as well. And that worked beautifully in my case. I got to say that, uh, you know, uh, more than just the papers, I got uh, a absolutely wonderful, fantastic uh, contact and friend out of this project. And that was uh, probably the, one of the most rewarding parts of it. That's, that's, that's really great. So uh, in your presentation, you've talked about cell state maps and their relevance to understanding gene expression dynamics. 
could you explain to a lay audience uh, why it is so important to understand these uh, maps? As I, as I mentioned uh, a bit earlier, the cells, every cell in a sample, regardless of what the sample uh, is uh, from any tissue, they're not going to be all absolutely exactly the same, right? And the, this heterogeneity or this variation among these cells, one of the ways that uh, can, it can be revealed is at the contents of some of their biomolecules, right? So this can be done at the you know, level of proteins, uh, it can be done at uh, you know, measuring different parameters of these cells. And one such parameter is just looking at the uh, RNA content of each of these cells. And uh, these single cell maps that I was referring to in my talk uh, are really derived from the uh, high throughput analysis of the RNA contents of thousands of cells at a time. Now, what that creates really is a, a very complicated mathematical problem to try to understand this information uh, because you have you know, thousands of distinct RNA molecules, each one of them with a unique sequence uh, in each of these cells. So essentially, this, this creates a matrix, right? This creates a, a table of cells and features that you are quantifying, in this case, the different RNA molecules. And this is you know, really complicated to just look at this table and figure anything out you know, about that sample and about this variation. So uh, what happens is we have to create some sort of human interpretable version of this information. And these single cell maps uh, essentially are created through a mathematical method that uses this highly multidimensional multivariable uh, data set and reduces it to this two-dimensional plot where each of these dots in these maps uh, is going to represent a cell. And the distance between the dots in these maps is going to be um, a representation of how similar any of these two cells are. And so you connect all the cells in this map in this fashion, and then you can use these maps to try to understand a bit about this variation that is, uh, again, as I mentioned, present in every uh, sample of any tissue that uh, so far has currently been looked at. Yeah, so it's amazing how you've been able to combine different techniques, uh, cell biology techniques, uh, state-of-the-art molecular cell techniques. Uh, so you've got a very interdisciplinary background. How important you think uh, it is to have a, an interdisciplinary background? I don't think it's that important at all. I think what's important is to keep an open mind. You just have to lose fear of getting your hands dirty with some things that perhaps you're not very comfortable with. It's more about getting out of your comfort zone and not being afraid of making mistakes or even seem like you don't know certain things because you just have to be frank and, and honest with yourself and realize that no one's going to stop uh, believing in your science uh, because you may not have a certain background. As long as you're doing the experiments right and you are doing your data analysis right and you can always get that double-checked with other experts, you can get advice from other people, the background is not as important as losing that fear and really trying to get your hands dirty. Now, definitely trying to do interdisciplinary research requires you to do multiple things at a time. So 
it is very important to also be a good multitasker. So that is something that obviously anyone learns really quickly in the bench uh, when they start early in their PhD, maybe, or even earlier. Uh, but it just becomes even more important when you're trying to do this sort of interdisciplinary research or integrative research, because you really need to be at not only at the bench, but also in a completely different headspace in multiple projects at a time. Maybe you're analyzing data for a project and you have to keep that fresh uh, at the same time that you're maybe starting a different project on the bench and so on. So multitasking becomes really quintessential for this. Right. Okay. So and just to end up uh, today's Stem Cell at Lunch episode, uh, what are the biggest challenges that you expect to achieve within the next five years? I think that is a fantastic question. I really, really, really want to focus on AML. Uh, so acute myeloid leukemia is, a, is an absolutely critical problem of humanity. It's going to continue being a big, big problem because a lot of the therapies don't work. Uh, the ones that we are developing right now, things that have worked beautifully in other uh, cancers and other, uh, other tumor types, such as checkpoint inhibitors, uh, the results you know, uh, suggest that there are some effects, but the long-term outcomes of these myeloid leukemia patients are, are still pretty poor. And so one of the advantages is that the more we learn about how blood stem cells work and uh, sort of develop better tools to understand um, how they work, we can now translate some of these tools to understand this terrible disease and hopefully find a new way, a new um, therapy avenue um, that will allow us to you know, change the, the tables um, because definitely these patients are in dire need for, for some innovation in the way that the, their diseases are treated. Okay, sounds very interesting, and it was uh, really great. So uh, thank you very much for joining us today, and uh, we wish you all the best for your future. Thank you all so much for uh, listening.